There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. And this is our Daily Doctrine Devotional. We certainly are thankful for your patience with us. I know many of you listen each and every day, and we've had quite a few guests on the podcast. It has not been, I don't believe it's been laziness on my part. It's just my voice has been shot and doing quite a bit of preaching, preaching several times uh, during the last week, and then, of course, preaching on the podcast and preaching live in the jail via Zoom with Brother Dale Morey and the uh, Liberty Behind Bars and Beyond Ministry. And so we thank the Lord for these opportunities. Thanks the Lord for those that filled in while I was away and uh, trying to recover my voice. It is Wednesday morning as I record this, and uh, we certainly are thanking the Lord for the strength he's given us to have my voice recovered enough to be able to preach on the podcast. We'll be in Psalm 106 today, but I would like to remind you uh, that we will be in Blaine, Pennsylvania starting next Sunday. That'll be the 30th of October. And that's the Manasseh Community Baptist Church will run through November 4th, which is Friday. So Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. each night. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to attend. If you're not in the area, if you need a place to stay, please contact us. We have very affordable lodging in the Blaine area, and we can make that available to you. And so if you'd be interested in attending the services, uh, there's no limit. If you have a large family, we got plenty of space. we got plenty of rooms. You just need to contact us and let us know. And uh, we're looking for what God is going to do in the little community of Blaine. We've been seeing some great and mighty things. Uh, things seem to be accelerating, things transpiring around the meeting, and we're just praying that God will break in on us. Our church, no doubt, needs a touch of revival. It's not going to come from Tim McVeigh. It's going to come from a holy God. And so we thank the Lord for what he is doing in people's lives. You've heard the testimony of, of Stephen. You heard the testimony of Mike and Tanya Asquith. Lord will, in the weeks to come, you're going to hear testimonies from some other folks who've gotten saved. A dear friend of ours up in New York just uh, told us this past week that in the last couple of months, God had saved him and gave a testimony of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We got a text last night uh, that someone very dear to us had come to repentance. And so we thank God for that. How we rejoice in the goodness of God. And we bless the name of the Lord. That salvation in Psalm 106 we spoke of the other day. And I know it's been quite a while, but I want to plug right back in on Psalm 106. And when he said, oh, visit me with thy salvation, verse 4, that salvation is the person of Jesus Christ, that men may lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting, and that they might know the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know we're in a day when there's professions being made, but you don't see the fruit of those professions. You don't see those folks coming to holiness. You don't see lives transformed. 
And you have to ask yourself, why is that? I believe Psalm 106 is one of the keys to that. I believe God is going to reveal in Psalm 106 why we're not seeing that move of God today, why we're not seeing true revival today. And I'm going to go through this uh, just verse by verse and just make a few comments here or there, mostly just read the verses, because the Lord tells us why, because I believe this is where we are today. I believe this is where churches are today. He said that I may see good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. And here's the key verse. Why are we not seeing that move of God? Why are we not seeing souls converted to Jesus Christ? He said, we have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. And that iniquity, that lawlessness, going without God, going without the power of God, going without the strength of God, doing this on our own, building churches by our power, building churches by our strength, uh, coming up with programs to try to woo people to the church and coming up with programs to try to uh, keep children in church and coming up with programs to keep, keep teenagers in church, everything but the power of God. And I'm not dead against programs. Please don't misunderstand me. But programs only work for a time. They're not going to save people's lives. They're not going to keep these young people from going to the world. A program's not going to keep a teenager in the house of God because it comes a time in his life he gets to outgrow the program. He's going to get too old for the teen program. What next? The adult program? What next? The senior citizen program? What's going to keep them? No, the power of God. We're kept by the power of God. And I believe in the house of God, we need to be kept by the power of God. And my friend, when I got saved, listen, I wasn't concerned about the programs. I wasn't concerned about bus trips. I wasn't concerned about banquets. I wasn't concerned about all the frivolities. I enjoyed those things. Yes, they were a blessing to me. I had some great memories of spending time with God's people on trips. And we used to go whitewater rafting with a Christian organization down in West Virginia. And I remember smashing the raft in the rocks and people getting bloody faces and bloody noses and, and bruised arms and almost drowning. Those are good memories. We enjoyed those things. And yet uh, those things are not salvation. They're not Jesus Christ. There's just something that we could do without the church. It's something I could call some men today and say, let's go whitewater rafting. I don't need the church to foundation those things. I don't need the church to be the anchor for those things. It's just my personal life, my private life, I could do those things. And yet today, that's what we're counting on to keep people. It's what we're counting on to attract people. Car shows, banquets, bake sales, yard sales. You've seen a, just a number of things, trunk or treat and Christmas programs and Easter programs and Easter egg hunts. And all of these things are going to build the church, yet we don't have faith that God can build his church because we haven't seen that touch of God. We haven't seen that move of God. We're relying on everything but God to build his church. And the reality is that we need the power of God. And if the power of God has fled, we need to find out why the power of God has fled. And he told us why we sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. He said we have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. And I believe that's where we are today. I believe there's a generation of preachers today that don't understand the wonder of salvation. Many of them have never had the new birth. Many of them have never been converted to Jesus Christ. Many of them never come under repentance. And so what do they do? They formulate doctrine based on man. They formulate doctrine based on books. They become hyper-dispensationalists and they start divvying up the word of God and it's interesting. I saw one the other day and it said, 
the gospel is, you know, first or yeah, first Corinthians fifteen and uh, verse four. He said the gospel today is not John three sixteen. But the crazy thing about that is, for God so loved the world, who was God? Well, He's God in three persons: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. He said that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, who was the Son of God? It's the Christ that died for our sins according to the Scripture. He is the Son of God. How can you separate the two? How can you say that the Jesus Christ of John 3.16 is not the Jesus Christ of 1 Corinthians 15? You continue on through that, and he says that we may have everlasting life. And what is that everlasting life? That everlasting life is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. So how could you separate the two? Bad doctrine. How do you get bad doctrine? Well, one of two things. Either you've been led astray by skillful men, by enticing words of man's wisdom, or you're just not born of God. Never been birthed into Jesus Christ. And you follow every wind and doctrine. You'll chase down puppy dog tails through the trees and call it Jesus Christ. And you'll go foraging in the ocean and you'll find cockerel shells and say, oh, this is Jesus Christ. And yet you can't find him. And so we've departed from the true and living God. Men have become absolute Calvinists today. Calvinistic doctrine is everywhere. Hyper-Calvinist doctrine. Why? They don't believe the work of God. They believe the elect. They believe predestination. They believe foreknowledge. But what they do not believe is that man has a will. That man has a will to come to God. Man either will or he won't come to God. And they have bad doctrine. Well, they've departed from the faith. Their sins and their iniquities have turned the face of God from them. And so void of the power of God, they labor in ministry. They labor in the word of God, yet void of the power of God. He said in verse 7, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They don't understand the new birth. They don't understand the holiness of God. They don't understand the work of God. And then he said, they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. So when God mercifully removed them from Egypt land, they didn't see the work of God. When God mercifully brought them out and brought them through those waters, they did not see the miracle of God. They did not see the mercy of God. They forgot about his mercy, so they provoked him. And the holiness of God has been revealed through the word of God. They've forsaken the word of God. He said, nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake while they were his people. It was a promise of God that he might make known his mighty, that he might make his mighty power to be known. And so for his name's sake, he delivered Israel. For his name's sake, he brought them through the Red Sea. For the promise he'd made to Moses, the man of God, God delivered them. But can I say in this day and hour in which we live, God is not going to do that. God is not going to forsake his word. And for him to save a sinner in that fashion today, God is going to have to come down off of his throne and deny his holiness and come and meet man on his terms. And God is not going to do that. God is not going to meet man on his terms. God is going to meet man on God's terms. And God's terms are holiness and God's terms are repentance and God's terms are through the word of God. He said, he rebuked the Red Sea also, verse 9, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. That's the mercies of God. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left behind. Then believed they his words, 
They sang his praise. But notice verse 13, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And so they saw the works of God, but then they forgot those things. They forgot it was God. They would not admit it was God. And so many today, by their own hand, are trying to build the work of God. By their own labors, are trying to build the work of God. By their own works, are trying to build the work of God. But they're lustful men today. Pornography abounds today. Lust abounds today. Indecency abounds today. I don't know how many times we've seen a a picture of a missionary family or a pastor and his family and his wife's in immodest apparel and indecent apparel and, and parts showing this should not be revealed ever to any man but her husband. Yet they stand there with arrogance and they stand there with the pride and they stand there with a Jezebel look and the man's like a peacock strutting and he's so proud of the appearance of his wife and yet God is not pleased with those things. And why? Because we've done it. We've labored. We've made this. We use charisma. We use panache. We use our abilities and God is not pleased with that today. You go in churches today and my friend, you can't tell them from the world. Most have that double life. Most have a, a lifestyle not pleasing to God. They're living after the world, after the things of the world. God's not pleased with those things. They don't love the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, their soul. They're one way at church and one way at home, one way at work and one way at church. They have double lives or triple lives and secret lives and hidden lives. Under the cover of darkness, their sin abounds. And oh, how God wants to stir. God wants to bring us to repentance he said he gave them requests, but sent leanness into their souls. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Where is that watchman on the wall? Where is that man to stand in that gap? Where are those saints of God today to stand in the gap and to help these young ladies, and to help these young men, and to stand in holiness and godliness, not just with a little watery profession, not with just a repetition of a prayer, but with true repentance and holiness coming from their lips and a life that's pleasing unto the Lord and a lifestyle that's pleasing unto the Lord and a separation that's pleasing unto God. Where are those saints of God today? They're dwindling in number. There are very few left today, but I remember in my own life when I got saved over 25 years ago, there were just enough of them left that they had an impact on my life. I didn't want to be like this worldly crowd. I didn't want to be like this godless crowd. I didn't want to be like this Southern gospel following crowd. I don't want to be like those who just bounce around with every wind and doctrine and they follow everything but Jesus Christ. And they have religion in the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Listen, I saw the real thing. 
and I saw the real deal, and I saw those saints of God, and I didn't envy them. I followed them. I didn't get jealous over their works and their labors, but no, my friend, I I tried to walk with them and tried to fellowship with them, and God used that in my life, and I want to be that man. I want to be a man standing in the gap. I want to be that one that stands between them and God and pleads with God for mercy and tells them the truth, no matter how we're despised, no matter how many cancel, no matter how many shut us out. No matter how many shut us down, I want to stand in the gap for truth and for righteousness and bear the reproach of being that one to stand in the gap, bearing the reproach of being that God man of God that stands in the gap for others, and bearing the reproach of being that one that tells people the truth no matter what the cost is. And would you pray for us? Would you pray that God will make us that man? Would you pray that God will turn others to Jesus Christ? Would you pray that God would give others relief from this burden of sin, relief from the heavy ladenness of sin? Would you just continue to pray for the ministry, pray for the podcast, pray for the services? Can I say to you, friend, many of you that have contacted that, listen, we pray for you. We pray for your families. We pray for your children. We pray for your churches. We want to see a work of God. We want to see a move of God. We want to see the mighty power of God shine forth in these days. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.